Creative Babble. Last time on Pretend, I introduced you to a con man named Fred Brito. This guy faked his resume and landed some pretty impressive jobs. Jobs he was completely unqualified for. He told us about the time he fooled the mayor of Los Angeles. He even pretended to be a court-appointed psychiatrist in order to get his friend out of prison. But this next gig had him reporting to the Pope. Yeah, he fooled the Catholic Church into believing he was a priest. But you know what? There's a lot we can learn from Fred Brito. Don't get me wrong, I mean, I'm not encouraging you to lie on your resume. But if you're like me and you suffer from imposter syndrome, you can learn a trick or two from this con man. I'm Javier Leva, and this is Pretend, stories about real people pretending to be someone else. Picture this, a foggy evening, the whisper of secrets in the air, and an invitation to step back into the glamorous and mysterious 1920s. That's the backdrop of June's Journey, the game that's been keeping me glued to my phone lately. Instead of doom scrolling on social media, I am actually playing the part of June Parker, a daring detective with a personal mission to solve her sister's murder. And let me tell you, it is a roller coaster of emotions and puzzles. What's to love? Well, first of all, the thrill of hunting for hidden objects. I'm a sucker for these kinds of games. It's kind of like those books that we grew up with, but with a storyline that keeps thickening. Plus, the game takes place in New York to Paris, uncovering clues of scandalous family secrets that make you feel like a real detective. If you're ready for a dose of mystery, romance, and the glamour of the 1920s, June's Journey is waiting for you. Download it for free on iOS and Android, and let's see who cracks the case first. Fred Brito would fake his resume, land the job, and work there for a couple weeks, months, maybe even years. And if you think this went unnoticed, it didn't, because Fred Brito has a nemesis. But then there's also a website called The Lies of Fred Brito. Now, do you manage that page? No, I have a stalker. His name is and that's his website. And he's been stalking me ever since the beginning of this story. We're not going to mention the name of the blogger because I talked to him and he doesn't want to be involved in the story, but he did give me a lot of information. And I think his main motivation is that he's trying his best to prevent Fred Brito from having any kind of success. (laughs) And we'll get to that. But I mean, this guy, um, whoever he is and whatever his motivation is, he, he definitely has it 
and for you because he has like a detailed timeline of almost every place you've been. How accurate is that timeline? Um, it's pretty accurate, and I can tell you how he's able to do it. He is able to somehow obtain a credit report, and that credit report will tell him exactly where I'm getting paid from. And so what he does is he goes out and calls my boss and makes sure that I get terminated. To my knowledge, this blogger did not obtain any credit reports. In fact, he told me it was a lot easier. He would go on Yelp and type in Fred Brito's aliases until something hit. And then he would figure out where this person worked. So if Fred Brito was working at a restaurant and he got a complaint from a customer that used his name, the blogger would call the employer and inform the company that they hired a con man. So every time you get a job, he every finds time. out about? Wow. Exactly, every time. And that's- What'd you do to this guy? I don't even know who he is. All I know is his name. And if his, and if, you know, if he gets his enjoyment from, from making Fred Brito more honest, then let it be. And this cat and mouse game just kept going and going and going. But before we start rattling off more of Fred Brito's fake jobs, Let's talk about something that we could all benefit from. How to fight imposter syndrome. For as many bad things as you've done, like something that somebody could lis listening to this could take away from is that sometimes you have to act confident. You know, you have to fake it to make it, right? not to break the law, but just to, to be anything, just to get over imposter syndrome, which a lot of us have, right? Yep, exactly. You have to. In other words, if, you know, as I'm preparing to do any one of these, these, we'll say crimes, I've had to really do a lot of studying. I mean, I probably got a PhD in, in, in manipulation, like, because I've had to learn how people talk, the words they use, they, how, how do they articulate the, the, the conversation. I needed to know everything about what I was planning to do the next day, um, better than the, than the psychiatrist per se. Because I knew I could not make one mistake because that would be the reason for my arrest. We don't have enough time today to go over Fred Brito's extensive resume. But here are some of the greatest hits. You know, I was the chief executive officer for the Glendale Pasadena Red Cross. Then there was a time when Brito helped run a prestigious medical school. As the, um, I worked for uh, Gary Gitnick, who was the... Uh, chief of staff for UCLA Medical Center. And here enough, I was his assistant uh, for a year and a half. Um, and I was, I, was, I was like an arm of the chief of staff of the medical school. Never ever went to medical school, but I, I, I didn't have to pretend I was a doctor. I was that, I was doing that for a year and a half before I got uh, busted for that one. And they just found out that I wasn't really who I was and they discharged me. They never asked me to present a credential, a transcript. They never, ever had asked me to do that. So, you know, uh, you know, when you go to these interviews, it's that very first interview. And many of these jobs I've had, I've had to go to four to five interviews just to get the job. So I had to convince uh, the, the initial interviewer, and then I had to come to a screening panel, and then I had to go to the CEO of that company or whoever was the final authority to hire. It's really, it's really just being an actor. You're in front of these people. You have to have the right um, terminology. You, have to, you just have to sell it. And, and that's what I did. 
or the good thing about it is that these jobs I've had, if you look back at the at the LA Times, when she when she interviewed these people, many of these people they interviewed, they said, you know, he did far better. <laughs> this is the dumb part. He did far better than a real person in that position would have done. They said, you know, he 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 increased our revenue of tenfold than than another person maybe would have done. And unless there's a different LA Times article than the one I'm reading, I'm not seeing any quotes that says Brito increased revenue tenfold. No one said any of these things. All former employees said that they were duped, and a few said that he was a solid performer and could possibly work his way up the ladder. Ken Sanchez with the Board of Commissioners in Albuquerque, New Mexico, said that the man he knew was a charitable man. Mark Gomez, by the way, was one of Fred Brito's aliases. But don't let Fred Brito fool you. Confidence and charm can only take you so far. He had to keep moving, otherwise people would start figuring him out. After spending years faking his way through every job opening and subsequently running from the law, Fred Brito needed a safe place to hide, somewhere where no one, no one expected to find him. The Catholic Church. Why did you become a priest, of all things? I became Father Fred, and it all started because I was running away from being arrested, and I ran to Mexico, and who would ever be looking for a priest in Mexico? So I created this identity, that, and I, I wore the collar, I, I, I played the role. So for like five years, I was Father Fred. And I went to um, the local church there as Father Fred. And I spoke with the pastor of that church. And I said, I'm coming down to, uh, to see if I can volunteer to be, uh, you know, help you out in this parish. And so he, the next day, he took me down to the Bishop of Tijuana. The Bishop of Tijuana believed everything I told him. So that's where I that's where I became Father Fred. Father Fred in Mexico probably did more good to advocate for the disenfranchised because that's really where my heart was. I was poor. I knew what being poor was like. So when I went to Mexico, I spoke the language. And let me tell you, I really found a home there. I was required to do mass for 7 o'clock a.m. and another mass at 6 p.m. So I had two masses per day. And then I had to go out during the day to visit the poor and the disenfranchised in the poorest of towns. And so that was really work that I, you know, if I, were have done, if I would have done it right from the very beginning, I probably would have been a heck of a darn good priest in the right way. But I, I never did. How did they catch you? Yep. Um, <laughs> that's the funny part. Um, one day I was in Tijuana, Mexico, and I my mom was sick, and I crossed. I attempted to cross the border from Tijuana to America. I was dressed as a priest, so uh, they asked me, "I need your ID," and so I. I, now that really shocked me because now I'm really, it, it's a thin line because now they're going to have my driver's license, which is wanted by the LAPD. And so they ran my name and they found out that I was, uh, there was a warrant for my uh, a U.S. Marshal's warrant. 
And so they they let me in. They put me in this holding room with no doorknob, and I was locked up. Lo and behold, they came in to to investigate is what my name was. And I just told them, you know, they said, I said, I'm a Catholic priest. I'm from, here's the letter I got from the Bishop of Mexico. I had all my documents just in case. I had it all. And and they, they said, well, you are also wanted by the U.S. Marshals. And they brought up on this, this website, I guess. And I says, no, 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 you got it all wrong. I have a twin brother. His name is Andres uh, Federico Gomez. And uh, this is the person you want. And I said, I'm his twin brother. I'm the priest. He's the one who's bad. Can you believe that I'm sitting in this room and they make a phone call to the priest in Phoenix, Arizona, where I had been a, a priest at? And they say, oh, yeah, we know Father Fred. He's working in Mexico, yada, yada, yada. Next thing I know, I'm so sorry, Father Fred. We made a mistake, and I was released. Wow. And sure enough, sacramentally, I probably, you know, baptized people, married people, did funerals, which would, I don't know, I guess I'll have to pay for that when I burn in hell, maybe. But for, you know, it's just, it's just what I do. It's just what fathers, what, what priests do, and I had to do it. Yeah, you're going to have to have a conversation with St. Peter about that one. <laughs> I sure will, I'm sure. I think that the the priest scheme is actually the, the smartest of them all because that is kind of this place where you could lay low and you really are pretending to be someone else, but it's almost like a, a, a safe zone in a way. Um, people wouldn't dare... Th- look for Fred Brito in Mexico as a priest. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, Sister Mary Clarence. She was a uh, witness protection program in Sister Act. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. Yep. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. One of the priests at the Phoenix Diocese said some parishioners thought he was one of the most devout priests that they had ever met. And that was actually my last my last crime. That was in 2002. My mom was getting sick, as I said, and I said, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't be in prison. If my mom were to die, it would kill me. And so I stopped. You know, my mom got older. She got sicker. She had some major medical issues. And I thought, you know, the worst, and I thought to myself, the worst thing that could ever happen to me is if my mom were to die and I'm in prison. So I stopped in 2002. It was my last crime. Legal crime. I'm not saying that I haven't done anything else, but I'm just saying legally, I've never been convicted of anything. You know what's funny about this whole thing? I have no doubt that Fred Brito is a con man. There are plenty of news reports that corroborate his stories. However, when I search his name on PACER, which stands for Public Access to Court Records, I can't find any crimes he's committed. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I wanted to ask you, um, I've been looking you up and maybe I'm just typing the wrong name, but in in PACER, you know, the government site where you could get um, federal cases or files for federal Mm -hmm. cases, I can't find anything on you. Is your name, your 
legal name Frederick with two D's. Yep, two D's. F R E D D R I C K. I've also searched Los Angeles Public Records, and I can only find a small misdemeanor. The website only goes back to 1988, after he committed most of his crimes. I also found something in New Mexico Public Records, but there's no details about the case. It's really hard to fact check these stories, so I guess we're just going to have to take Fred Brito, a notorious liar's word for it. God knows how many of these scams Fred Brito has pulled off throughout his career. But we know that at least one of those jobs hit close to home. Carlena Lesso, who is a pretend listener, contacted me because she had a run-in with the con man, Fred Brito. This is what she had to say. It piqued my interest when you wrote to me. So tell me, tell me about your experience with Fred Brito. Like I said in the synopsis, it's just a speed bump and it's a whole line of tales. It's just a brief a couple of months uh, that I worked with him and he was uh, hired our employees at our staffing company. He was a nightmare. What was his role exactly? He was a manager at a cafeteria. He was a thorn in everybody's side. He didn't get along with anybody. So they kind of assign you to deal with this guy who's going by the name of Gomez de Maria, right? It was just a legitimate pain in the butt. He stuck out, kept me all, all hours of the night. He was the one I didn't want to see or hear from when I went to work. He would say, I need this person here at five o'clock. Where he told us he wanted them at six. He would call me in the hour. Why aren't they here, Carlina? Where are they? I told them to be here at five o'clock again. How did you make the connection that uh, this... Gomez de Marie guy was actually Fred Brito uh, con man. I had gone to work one morning and my manager, the office manager says, Carlena, your worst nightmare is gone. I was like, what do you mean? She says he's no longer employed with L3. I was like, oh my gosh, what happened? Are you kidding? This is awesome. She says he was actually led, escorted out by armed guards off the property. She's like, he's a con man. He's a legitimate con man. It was a nightmare. But I had a listener approach me and send me an email about you, which was kind of funny. And it was this woman that said that she worked for a public relations company. And I guess it was like a local staffing firm. And <laughs> there was this guy named Gomez de Maria. And yep. he would call the time complaining. Nothing was ever right. He, he didn't like the way the employees were dressed or their uniforms or this and that. She didn't say that there was any fraud happening, but one day this this thorn on her side, Gomez and Maria, you know, stops calling, and she finds out that that the man was not really Gomez and Maria. It was Fred Brito, and and he had been arrested. He had been fired and escorted out by armed guards. That he was a fraudster and. Gomez de Maria wasn't even his real name. Do, do you even know which job that I'm uh, referring to? Um, of all the jobs, I never got escorted by armed guards. Never. I've gotten escorted by undercover police people, but they didn't have any exposed weapons. Uh, she said it was like a company within a company, like Halliburton, a multi-billion dollar contract, uh, planes with top secret technology. and. I have, I, oh, Okay. 
I wasn't removed by armed guards. You're, she, I think she's talking about a position that I had. I was an executive director for a place that, this is another wild story. I got a job there. And lo and behold, this is where Air Force One comes in for all of their electronic updates. I was in charge of all of the food services for all of the government employees. It was an old Air Force base that they took over. But you got to figure, it's a very high security place. Never did a background check. Air Force One flies in. I'm, I'm speaking less than a thousand feet from me out the window. I see Air Force One. But the plane the president flies in is, there's two of them. And one of them was sitting right outside my cafeteria. And none of these people ever did a background check on me. Unbelievable. This is a place that you would think was so secure. This is a plane from, you know, Marine One landed here. Air Force One landed here. George Bush landed as, you know, was here. That's where his planes were. And then, you know, how could a place so that's guarded, you can't even get through the checkpoint through security unless you go get a badge and they run it. It was insane. I'm going to share one more story with you, and that was oh, yeah. the uh, that was the uh, uh, guest conductor for the Evansville Philharmonic Orchestra. No, you fake. Okay, so listen, I don't know anything about the story, but if I were to fake being a conductor, I would just wave my hands around. But did yeah. you actually know what there's, you were doing? Yes, there, uh, there's a there's a you know if you look at um, the Dateline. If you looked at all of the Dateline, Dateline covers it. It's in there. It's I have the I have the the DVD here, but um, they covered it. Sandy Patty, who is a religious Christian singer, came to town, and she was being um, accompanied by the Evansville Philharmonic. So I go to this concert because I loved. Sandy Patty, and I'm watching this orchestra, and I'm watching this this uh, conductor. I didn't stop there. What did I do? I went home and I said, you know what? I can conduct that orchestra. And sure enough, this is what I did. I got, well, maybe a week later after I did all my homework and I did my studying and I researched what conductors do and I looked at videos. Can you imagine? I looked at videos over and over and over again of conductor Zubin Mehta. And I watched how he conducted the orchestra and I just copy him. So now that I was ready, I made a phone call in a broken speech language. Uh, I, was, I was pretending that I was calling from Mexico. And I said, I'm the assistant to conductor, I forgot the name I used, such and such in Mexico City. And he's going to be coming to Evansville, Indiana to visit his family. And he would be honored to conduct the Evansville Philharmonic. Well, sure enough, they did call me back and they said, hey, we understand you're coming to Evansville. We'd be, this is their quote, we'd be honored to have you as a guest conductor for our orchestra. And how many, how many songs did you orchestrate? I did, I did, I did two, two songs. You know, he, he was the main conductor when he came in. He conducted and then he introduced me as a visiting conductor from Mexico City. I walk on stage in a conductor tuxedo. He hands me his baton. I step up to the conductor's lectern. We did Samuel, Bar Samuel Barber's Adagio for Strings, which I had memorized the day, you know, two, probably for two weeks, every 
position of that piece of music, we had practiced the day before. Even during the practice the day before, they still didn't figure out that I wasn't really a conductor because I, I guess I did everything that I was supposed to do. I would stop them in the middle of their of their music and I say, no, let's go back to to 28. Let's add more. You know, I forgot the words that I use and they understood my language. And this is all from watching a video? All, well, you got to figure, I watched it for like two weeks. This is studying the videos of Zubin Mehta doing this. So I just, and you got to figure, I was studying Zubin Mehta doing Adagio for Strings. So I knew, I knew the music in my mind. I knew the music and I just played it. And did you have any musical no, abilities? No, all I know is that I love music. I love classical music, but I've never had any training other than maybe a couple of weeks where I went to piano school when I was maybe 10 years old. That's it. And, and are so you they, nervous? They, I mean, I would be terrified. No, no. To me, I, you know, to me, you know what, you know what makes a con artist fail? A con artist fails when he himself loses confidence. And I had all of the cons that I have created throughout my life. I've had to be far more confident than the average person. Uh, in other words, if I was doing a, a, a position of a conductor of an orchestra or a attorney or a CEO of a company, I had to know everything about it. And I had to be confident in how I presented myself, my language, my ability to become executive-ish. Um, I had to play the role, otherwise I'd get busted. And um, not, do you have any video of this, by the way? Like, I would love yeah. to see this. Yeah, it's, it's uh, I don't have a video per se, but Dateline, actually, Dateline covered it and nobody knew, nobody knew that I wasn't a conductor. That's because he most likely wasn't a conductor. There's no tangible evidence that Fred Brito ever pulled this stunt. Listen, I have a high tolerance for listening to con artists rattle off lie after lie, but this one seems like a stretch. You can probably fake a lot of things, but a conductor? Come on. And when I ask him for evidence, he goes, but Dateline covered it. Almost as if that's enough proof. And I'm sure Dateline covered it. But just because you heard it on Dateline doesn't mean it actually happened. A lot of us, every story you have is far-fetched, but the conductor seems to be the most far-fetched of them all. That just seems crazy. I think Father Fred would be like, to me, that was like, I mean, because I did it, I did it, I did it every day of my life for like a year and a half. And I, you know, once you've done it a month, you're a pro at it. But a conductor, that one took, that took a lot of nerve. And just like all the other high level positions I've had, it took a lot of nerve to play, to play it off every single day of the week. You know, and we've only touched on a 25% of this of my story, but that's really what, what most people, most people, they don't wanna know what I did. They wanna know what possessed you to have the gonads to do this stuff, knowing that you were faking it all the time. To be Father Fred, I just had to master it. To be a, a conductor, I just had to master it. To be a, a city employee, a commissioner, or whatever it may be, I just had to master it by knowing every single thing about my role because I knew that if I fudged up, 
I would get busted. So I couldn't afford to make that mistake. You have to have been living with, in a state of anxiety all the time, knowing that any, any unpredictable thing could blow your cover, right? Any, yeah, it just took one mistake. I had to be ready to answer whatever question would have come up. And if I did not answer it correctly, that would unmask me as maybe he isn't really who he says he is, because if he doesn't know this simple answer, that's a problem. And what are you doing now? How you, And why are you even talking to me? Wouldn't this nope. blow your cover too? Nope. I can tell you why. I have the best boss. He, my boss has seen my videos on YouTube and God knows. And you know, here's what he told me. Because somebody, uh, this guy, he called my boss. He called John Miller at the Taos News. And he told him, you know, you know, you have working there. You have a guy named Fred Brito and he's this big con artist, yada, yada, yada. He tried his best to get me fired. And my boss told me this. He says, Max, I've been working with you ever since 2017. And he's the owner. He says, you know, you've never done anything wrong to me. And if I wanted perfect people only working for me, I'd have no employees. So uh, my boss, I've been with him to, since 2017. I'm just one of his employees. And I've never lied or defrauded him in any way. I'm not young anymore. But this, you know, I know that this job that I have, it's my last job. And let me tell you, I'm doing everything right to make sure that I do a good job without any kind of mistakes. Do you feel like, you know, even though you've committed crime, do you kind of justify it by saying, well, you know, I didn't really hurt anyone in particular? Uh, throughout throughout my life, I've made a lot of money. I, you know, there was my salary has always been 100,000 plus, plus, plus. I may not be able to say I'm sorry to many of the people that I may have hurt or defrauded. But what I do now is I sponsor and support as many disenfranchised organizations as I could find. I figure that, yeah, I've made some mistakes. Yes, I've taken things that weren't, that didn't belong to me. And I may not be able to give money back to the people that I defrauded, but I'm at least helping a lot of people with things that they need. Yeah, I've made some mistakes, but, you know, I'm really, really doing some great work. Um, helping other people. And I, I sponsor a lot of people. Every con artist I've ever spoken to say they've changed. They're focusing the rest of their life doing good. And that would be awesome if it were true. I don't know which organization Fred Brito is donating to. I don't know if those checks are actually getting cleared, but let's hope he's right. Next time on Pretend... We're going to go after America's favorite con artist, the guy who inspired this whole show, the real Catch Me If You Can, Frank Abagnale. Yes, the guy behind the book and the movie Catch Me If You Can. Apparently, he may not be telling the truth about some of his cons. Surprise, surprise. That's next time on Pretend. the stories of parents warning their children about the dangers of strangers. But the reality is, children are more likely to come to harm by people they know and trust than people they don't. 
Here at Stolen Lives, we believe cases involving crimes against children do not get the attention they deserve. These cases are important and the victims should not be forgotten. We want to give a voice to those whose lives are lost or stolen. Cases like the brutal murder of Geralee Underwood, searching for answers for the identity of baby lollipops, and the mysterious unsolved disappearances of Oren and Orson West. Listen to Stolen Lives on Apple Podcasts, the Acast app, or wherever you listen to great podcasts, like the one you are listening to today. Creative Babble.